Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached. When I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom, I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 296, an Alabama opening day screw-up. And I am your co-host and the guy who still does not have the answer to the age-old question of why did the turkey and the peacock cross the road? And I am your co-host, the guy who's found a new passion in life. It's called money, sadly. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, there's no reason to be sad about it. Well, you got my attention for sure with yours, so we'll start with you today. What... Oh, man, I love money. I wanted to hear yours first. Well, we both like money. and But I got to tell you, a turkey and a peacock crossing the road, and what the question is there, that's posing quite the conundrum. So what what well, brought that to your brain, I guess, <laughs> is my question. <laughs> it was... It was my post on Twitter from early Sunday morning because as I was driving into my property in Chilton County, south of Birmingham, to go fishing Sunday morning, I encountered what appeared to be a Jake turkey standing in the road when I rounded a curve in the road, and behind him was the peacock that happens to live out there in that area. And that thing's getting old. The peacock is, gosh, gotta be older than 12. Good gosh. You don't think he's procreated out there, found him a peahen somewhere? Well, we used to have a peahen, but I have not seen the peahen out there in two or three years. But I can tell you that one year after turkey season ended, I planted some milo or sorghum and one day I went out there to go fishing and I happened to notice as I was driving on the road towards my boathouse that there were a few peacock feathers 
in the middle of the road. Uh. And I don't mean just a few, even though I did say that. I mean, there were a lot of peacock feathers in the road. I didn't see any breast feathers or, you know, any feathers off the back or anything like that. They were all tail feathers Mm. just strewn over a probably 150 yard long stretch of the road. Maybe he was shedding his feathers like a buck. Well, and I, and I kind of wondered that because, you know, they were using the field where I planted the, the sorghum and, you know, they're in there feeding on the sorghum. And so they're in that area often. So it doesn't necessarily have to be that the, that the peacock lost those feathers in one day, you know, over a few hours, it could have been that the peacock lost those feathers over the course of a week because I doubt the peacock was going anywhere else. It was staying in that area pretty much all day, every day and flying up to roost at night in the area. And so that could very well be what happened is that we just had a little molting or a lot of molting going on. But how long is a peacock supposed to live if he's 12 years old? I mean, I'm going to Google it while you're talking about it. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm going to take the theory that this is a P-Jake, and that's why he's hanging out with a turkey Jake. Oh, no, he's no P-Jake. Oh, I, th- I think it's a P-Jake. That's he, my... <laughs> he is a P-stud. He has, <laughs> I would guess, between inch and a half and two inch long spurs. Holy cow. Yeah, In the he's... wild, a peacock can live to 25 years. How about that? captivity they can live to 40 to 50 years old man this peacock is going to be around for about as long as you are <laughs> <laughs> maybe longer he might he might outlast you maybe longer. What, if he makes it to like let's say your 80th birthday you got to kill him i mean at that point you can't let him outlast you well I haven't seen the peahen in a couple of years, and I used to see the peahen pretty regularly. So the only pea anything I've been seeing over the past couple of years is the peacock. And I can tell you that I'm pretty sure the peacock has earned the respect of every predator in the area (laughs) with spurs like he has. But he may fall to me one day. He may. What's the... What's the limit on peacock in Alabama? I believe it's unlimited. Really? Open yeah. season. Yeah. Wow. I'll tell you I will tell you this with all sincerity. If you ever get a phone call from me and I say, Well, I got a ticket for hunting over bait and it's turkey season, I was peacock hunting. Oh yeah. All right. I got your back on that. And you got well, and photographic proof to, to say you were in fact peacock hunting. The last thing that I'm that I have any interest in doing whatsoever is shooting a turkey over bait. I mean, that's about as boring as something I could think to do. Yeah. But the peacock down there baits up pretty nicely. <laughs> and tell you what you need to do. And, and hear me out on this. Okay. I'm you listening. like to you like to fan turkeys, and they you know they have good sized spurs sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get a peacock fan. A, you could put a whole family behind the thing. B, <laughs> if that joker charges you with those spurs, you got a serious fight on your hands. This at that point, I'd say the uh, like the, the playing field is pretty fair. Shotgun versus those spurs. Uh, I, I think that's the strategy you need to take. I believe I could get away in claiming self-defense on that one for sure. You could put a, a peacock's tail fan so big, you could put it in front of your truck and just drive up to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. I think I think that should be the goal here. We do some experimenting with the peacock. With I say we give you a shotgun with one shell, and then you take on the peacock. And if you come back with you know three-inch holes stuck all in you, I'm going to assume you missed. One shell, I'll guarantee you I missed. (laughs) (laughs) You do tend to be deadly with the second or third shell. I'll say that much. I'm likely to forget that I have one shell, and when I fire the warning shot off in the air, (laughs) the second and third shots will just be click, click. Well, 
And I think with his spurs, he might not just run off. He might he might try to overtake you. Oh yeah, he'd bow up. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Yeah. Well, I think we got a good strategy here. We're gonna see if you can reap a peacock. You know, I could probably buy some feathers off of Etsy or eBay and put together There's a together. peacock fan. I do it. I think that would be like I'm assuming that's the same reason they fan out is oh, to show is. dominance and you know yeah. same thing as a wild turkey gobbler so yeah i bet it's possible and i bet that joker if he saw a peacock he's either gonna be running to you like holy crap friend or it's really gonna take him off i don't know i don't know which one it would be he might just be so excited to see another peacock because he's been hanging yeah. out with jake which we all know they can be kind of crazy so yeah, well, I think it tells you a little bit about the psyche of this peacock, too. Yeah, he's I mean, he's probably, 20 years old, and he's hanging out with Jake. Yeah, he's probably pretty crazy himself. <laughs> yeah. Well, good deal. So, I guess, if you want to share your new the story about your new passion with money, yeah. you can. So, it's a new passion of mine that expands on an old passion, which is turkey hunting books, but... Sadly for my finances, I found eBay has turkey hunting books on it. Yeah, don't say that too loud. And it's really dead gum fun to bid on them. The only mm -hmm. problem is you win a lot of the bids. And I've been buying a bunch of freaking books. <laughs> yep. And I just, I'll throw out some lowball offers every now and then thinking oh, I'll never get them. And I, I kind of put way too many feelers out there. And then I got way too many of them at one time. <laughs> uh huh. So my front porch is absolutely stacked in books, <laughs> but got some good ones. So I got plenty of reading to do, and I'm kind of making that my off-season objective is to read a lot of turkey hunting books. And so I'm I'm well on my way already. Very good. Well, I'm glad to know that you're not just spending money on turkeys during turkey season. Yeah. I like to make them a year-round expense. That's good. Yes, absolutely. Everyone's very excited about that for me. So Cool. I enjoy the books. I'm reading The Art and Science of Wild Turkey Hunting right now. Mm. And I just finished Memories of Spring, which we talked about on the show. And I absolutely suggest that to everyone. It was a great read from Ron Jolly. Yeah. And if you aren't much in the art of reading and you like picture books, Memories of Spring can do that for you too. It's got some really good pictures. Yeah. I haven't started it yet. I'm actually still working on letters to my grandsons. Mm, how is that one? It's good. And the reason that I'm still working on it is because I basically put it down when turkey season started. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't turkey season. Yeah. And I've just been so busy with work that, by the time I finish working at night at 10 o'clock, I'm ready to brush my teeth and clock out so I can get up at 5.30 and start the routine again. Yeah. So I've, I've gotten what I feel like is a little bit more in control of work, and I'm only having to work from about 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning until 7, 7.30 at night. So, you know getting in bed about 9, 15, 9, 30, reading for 30, 45 minutes before I can't keep my eyelids open anymore. So I expect I'll have this book knocked out here in another two, three weeks, and then I'll jump into Jolly's book. Yeah, well, you'll enjoy it. I promise you that. It's, it's really a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Sweet. Yeah, very cool. Well, awesome. what you got for us this week? Well, you know, I've told this story a little bit on the show before about my opening day spring hunt in Alabama. And so today I want to play the audio from the hunt for everyone because I feel like there's a pretty good learning opportunity there. And I want to run through that hunt. And it's really a pretty short hunt, pretty quick, but I'll lay the groundwork for you guys before we get into it. Yeah. So I think you maybe gave me an abbreviated version of the story. I know, let's say I know the ending is the part that you kind of gave me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to know what happened leading up to it. So yeah. Why don't we so, jump on into it? Yeah. So opening morning, I had my friend Todd with me, whom you guys have Alabama, heard on the show. Right? That's correct. 
okay. opening morning of Alabama season. I had had my buddy Todd with me, and uh, we had his son Pal, which is short for Powhatan, okay, with us on this hunt. And Pal has killed a Jake. Pal is seventeen years old. He'll be eighteen this month. Actually, in about four days. So he's killed a Jake. Never killed a Tom, and unfortunately, I feel partly responsible for ruining turkey hunting for Pal. Nice. Does that help you just fall asleep at night? I don't think about it much. <laughs> That's how I'm able to fall asleep at night. So I'll, I'm going to get into that a little bit because I want. That's also a very good topic to learn from, or a mistake to learn from for all the listeners of the show. So I'm going to touch on this very quickly, and then we're going to move on into the story. But the reason that Pal got ruined for turkey hunting is that his dad and I wanted to get him a turkey so bad that we literally would go out in the mornings and it would be nothing for us to walk three, four miles in a morning Mm -hmm. and then come back to the camp, eat lunch, go back out and maybe walk another two, three, four miles in the afternoon. Mm. And we did not make it fun at all for a seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old boy to go out into the woods to do this. The fun in turkey hunting is being in the woods in the spring. Yeah. And... For you guys who have young kids or nieces, nephews that you want to get them their first turkey, my advice is this. Make the hunt fun. The turkey will come eventually. Yeah. The dead turkey will happen eventually. But if you ruin turkey hunting for that kid, that kid's never going to kill a turkey. Yeah. Because that kid's never going to want to go turkey hunting. So Todd and I kind of did that with Pal when he was younger. And mm-hmm. when he got to be about 12, 13, you know, about the age when really he should be getting into it and should be having some success of killing a bird or two or three each season, he was done with it. Mm-hmm. So... You guys listening to the show, do not let that happen. Cameron, when the time comes and you have a youngin that you're toting around in the woods with you, do not let that happen. Make it fun. So, And I think another point to make to kind of echo what Preston Pittman said a couple weeks ago is you also don't want to take them and then be successful every single time. I think you need to find a middle ground. Yeah. So I think what you just described is a great point of, not marching them through the woods and not make like you need to focus on making it fun, not just getting a kill. Right. And you also need to make sure you're not making it just every time they go out, it's the perfect time because you've done so much homework that you know, it's going to happen mm-hmm. and you, you need them to kind of appreciate the good times from bad. So that, I, I think that's a good balance, Yeah. but I think that's some really good advice. A lot of people need to hear because I get it. I mean, for me, if I had a young person hunt with me right now, it would take a lot of restraint for me to slow down because I'm ready to get out and cover 10 miles, you know? Oh, yeah. And so yeah. It's, you, you just got to realize this isn't my deal. This isn't how I like to hunt, but this is how it needs to happen for the betterment of this person. So that's, that's a good right. point. That's yeah. a good, good, good point to take home right there. Yeah. So well, now at that- least you took him on this hunt that was so... <laughs> And you didn't do anything to mess it up. (laughs) (laughs) So we actually, we got into the woods and did have fun. So Pal has gotten, he's kind of circled back around and he's gotten more interested in, in turkey hunting again. He's gotten a little bit more interested in deer hunting again. And so we went opening morning we were going to hunt the entire opening weekend together and then i got the call from cameron saying come to georgia so i had to ditch todd and pal and drag chip over to georgia but that opening morning we we did get out and get to hunt together and we went to a new piece of property that was part of the hunting club that I was in last year. And this piece of property is probably about 2,000 acres. Mm -hmm. It was our first year to have this property to hunt on. And in the prior years, from what I understand, it was not hunted 
very regularly at all. Hmm, that's a good sign. Yes. And so in my preseason scouting, I happened to discover a few turkeys Always of the gobbling fun. sex. Ah, yes. Those are the ones we're after. Indeed. And I had quite a few of them marked on on X. So opening morning, we wheel into this piece of property and spot number one that I wanted to go to, someone was in that area. And so we backed out of there. And Whoa. You mean you didn't just rambush in there and hop right in front of somebody and go hunt with them? I really wanted to. Man. I really wanted to, yeah. But, but we didn't. We didn't. Oh, that was what happened these days. Sorry, continue. No, that's quite all right. And I actually didn't want to because... Is 2,000 acres. There's plenty of room and plenty of turkeys pinned on Onyx. So we go into this area, second area, pull in there, and no one's there. So great. We've got it to ourselves. Get out of the truck, walk up to the top of the hill on the road that we drove in on and parked, got to the top of the hill, and we start to see Dawn's crack. <laughs> Do a little hooting, nothing. Starts to get a little bit more light, break out the crow call, and we hear a couple of turkeys gobble around us. So one of the turkeys, the one that sounds closest to us, is one that is actually gobbling the most. So we start in that direction. Get down in the creek bottom where it sounds like this turkey's gobbling from it. And he was probably four or 500 yards from us when we first heard him. So we got down to the area where we thought the turkey was. And by that time, he had quit gobbling. But another turkey had fired up who, and that turkey was still further away from the truck. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to guess that one was about 400 yards away. So we start walking towards that turkey and he shuts up. So, <laughs> yeah, it's Alabama, you know. Well, you lost me with Alabama when you said turkeys started gobbling. But Yeah, you thought I was BSing you. So, yeah. yeah. But then Still they might. stopped gobbling and you knew that I was serious. Yeah, yeah, that sounds more right. So. Yeah. So, on the way to this turkey that's gobbling, or was gobbling before he stopped, we see a sounder of hogs at a corn feeder. Well, we stop. We're uphill from the hogs. The wind is blowing from the hogs up to us, and we are just standing there. I'm waiting on this turkey to gobble again. Well, we're still just standing there. There's nothing between us and the hogs. They're probably 75, 80 yards away from us. So we're sitting in there watching the hogs, and the turkey, you know, this is probably 20 minutes has gone by since the turkey gobbled last, mm -hmm. and I look over at Todd and Pal, and I said, go put a stalk on one of those hogs and kill one. I said, no, better yet, kill four or five of them. Yeah. So I take buckshot with me for that very reason. And yeah. I handed Todd and Pal my two or three buckshot shells that I had with me. And they load up, start See, putting a stalk on the hogs. There's and, a great idea for making the hunt fun. Yeah, absolutely. And so... As they're working their way towards the hogs, they get about, I don't know, maybe 40 yards from the hogs. And I'm thinking, okay, somebody needs to shoot one. I mean, you're shooting an extra full turkey choke with number with buck. four buck yeah. in it. And you can kill one of those little ones from that distance. But they keep inching towards them, inching towards them, inching towards them. Well, the hogs would run off into the woods and 30 seconds later would come running back and eat some more corn, and they might stay there two or three minutes, four minutes, and they'd run off again. So the hogs take off running, and they run away. And after about 10 minutes, they don't come back. <sighs> Pal's still standing down there at the feeder, and this turkey that we were walking towards gobbles again. There's another good lesson. <laughs> Just because a turkey stops gobbling does not mean he's done. Yeah. Hang in that area with them, and you never know when they're going to start back up. And the other good lesson is... Don't shoot a hog while you're in the same area with a gobbling turkey. <laughs> it just happened that way. I was hoping he was going to get a shot at a hog, but that's not part of the story. So this turkey starts gobbling again, and we start walking 
up the road towards where the turkey's gobbling. We get closer and closer, and this is a pretty hilly area. So this road is running on ridgetops, but the ridgetops will drop down into a little saddle, and they'll come back up on top of another ridge. Well, this turkey's up on about the tallest ridge in, you know, I would say this 40, 60, 80 acre little area right here that that he's hanging out in so we get just barely to where we can see the top of that ridge and he gobbles and he is directly across the top of the ridge from us just on the downside of it so he's not able to see us have you hen called to this bird yet i have okay all right i have and when we got to this point i told Todd and Powell, I said, you guys go and you sit on the left-hand side of this road. And from where Powell was sitting, that turkey was really dead in front of him at about 60 yards. Wow. But because of the terrain, we were in a good position. Mm -hmm. So I said, you guys sit right here. Todd, you walk him through what to do. I'm going to drop down off of the hill and call and walk and call. So let's pick up the audio from that point and we'll see you guys on the other side all right
He saw you standing in there, he saw me, he turned around the hall. Didn't make a peep, just turned around. around. He would he was facing down in that thick stuff. And he couldn't have moved he couldn't have moved anyway. But I was facing the road. And he came up and he went How long after you drummed? Three seconds. I mean, I just sat down. How far was he? There. He was right here. He's 15 yards from you. Yeah, I, didn't, I mean, he was running when I saw him. Just as I turned my head and I saw him, he went. But he was looking down the road. I don't know if he saw some movement. I don't know. Or he saw me. He got. He was drumming right there on that hill. I couldn't see him. And he got to right here and Was he running? Hmm? Was he running? Yeah, when he turned around, he was he was coming yeah. down a half strut, and he went out and he turned and took off. without y'all seeing him. Were you on the opposite side of that tree? Yeah, but I was looking down in the hole. Right. And I'm looking, you know, kind of down, and then I never was against the tree. I was just sitting on the flat on the ground. And I'm, I'm watching down in the hole, and then I see some movement, I look, and he's... And it, like I said, I mean, it wasn't three seconds after I heard his last drum. He came walking down here because he was close as shit when he was drumming. Oh yeah, yeah. He was loud. Yeah. But I I mean he must have seen me because I just sat down. I mean I was right there. He, I mean I he just sat down. Because we got him gobbling there and then I heard him drum right there. And then three seconds later he's right here. I mean he was coming. And then he saw you saw something and turned around and took off. And I heard a piece of Redhead, he was, I wasn't sure, he was definitely too Well, I almost told you to sit where you could watch the road.
Remember to tell Pal to watch the road. The way he got set up, he had a tree on his right and he couldn't have swung anyway. But if he'd have come in through the woods, we wouldn't have had a shot at him. I'm not, I'm not there. We're put y'all on that bigger of those the little, little trees in here. There's, there's nowhere to get right here where you can shoot the road. Mm -mm. No, we knew he was coming down the road. Well, and but I thought he was going to come down through the woods in there. That's what I was watching. He never putted or anything. He just died. So visually, take me through what I just heard. What you just heard was some excellent hen calling on my part. Very nice. And you heard a turkey gobble in response. That is the goal. You heard me walking around a little bit. You heard me sit down, do some more hen calling, and you heard nothing. Why is that? <laughs> well, the reason that that is, the important takeaway from this hunt is if you're hunting with a partner and you're going to try to float call for your partner and for you guys who don't know what i'm talking about float calling is when you leave your hunting partner in front of you between you and the turkey and you are calling and walking around sounding like a hen milling around in the woods scratching in the leaves a little purring a little soft calling when you're doing that it's a great strategy I mean, it's deadly on turkeys, but you may want to try sitting first before you float call mm -hmm. because you may get your partner to sit down in the spot and you go sit down and go, yow, 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 yow. and 15 seconds later, there's a turkey standing in gun range. Mm. I'm not going to say it was 15 seconds, but it was not long at all from the time that I left Pal and Todd on top of that ridge and I dropped off the side of the ridge it was not long that that turkey came running to where he heard that hen calling from last and I was just sitting down hmm. so you can always sit your rear end on the ground have your hunting partner between you and the turkey call for five minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes and then get up and ease off and do some float mm -hmm. calling yeah so err more on the side of caution. That, that's a yeah. good point because I guess when you drop back, you figure if the bird gets to where it could see you, you assume it's dead. Exactly. And so. he should have been. He really should have been. But he came, he came towards me on the road that we were walking in on. And once he circled that ridge that Todd and Pal were sitting on top of, he circled the top of it got mm -hmm. to the road and came up that road so quickly that Todd said that by the time he realized the turkey was there, there was nothing between him and the turkey. No way for him to move. Uh, Pal was just in the wrong spot. Yeah. Pointed the wrong direction. But at least he would have been able to see a turkey die. So mm -hmm. at that point, there's nothing between Todd and the turkey. The turkey just kind of looks over the ridge as he's walking in and sees me sitting my rear end on the ground and took off. And so, Man. you know, it, it feels good to have the first turkey that you work for the season come into your calling. Heck yeah. It feels better to have the first turkey that you work for the season die in front of you. And, you know, if I had yeah. it to do over again, I would have sat down back behind Todd and Pal, kept them between me and the turkey, called for 10, 15, 20 minutes, and then probably just crawled away from them while calling and gotten plenty good enough out of sight. Yeah, yeah. But, it, well, you know, it, it was still fun. I mean, I you know, anytime, especially right now, being, you know, dead of summer, anytime you're in the woods in the springtime playing with a turkey, it's a good time. Yeah, you it you feel it more when it's over, I guess. <laughs> That's for sure. It 
you realize like, man, I wish I could go have one just whoop the soup out of me today and gobble his brains out but never come in. Like I would take that all day right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that the caller being behind the shooters is definitely an effective strategy, no doubt about it. But you make a good point of maybe beginning the calling sequences by being seated just in case you get one of those kamikazes. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, you don't know until it's too late. Yeah, I mean, you don't know what he's going to do. I mean, he might sit there and gobble from the same spot for 45 minutes or he might gobble one time and then be in your lap. Yep. It's all a matter of his mood. You don't know it till you test him out. So I guess that's the key there is test him out, seated as if he's going to be a kamikaze. And if he's not, then you start working him. Mm-hmm. So I, yep. I think that's a, I think that's something we could all learn from there. Cause I, I know there's been times where I've been standing calling before. I mean, I haven't had that particular thing happen, but I, it could have easily happened to me. Yeah. And, you know, I think one other thing, I, I kind of felt comfortable being closer to Todd and Pal than I would normally be. I was probably 30 yards away from them. Yeah. But I was comfortable being that close to them because of the terrain. Yeah, you thought he's going to top out and be dead before he ever can see over here to see me. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I can... I can picture exactly what the scenario looks like. And instead of him coming over the top, he came around the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which you don't, I guess you always assume it's going to be kind of a straight line from where you to the hunter, to your shooter, to the turkey is a straight line. And you think that's going to be the travel route. So it's hard to. And it rarely ever is. You know that. Yeah, it rarely is. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. but that, that, I mean, that's something we can all learn from. And I mean, that's a heck of an opening day, even if you got no meat from it. That was a, I'm sure your heart rate was elevated slightly. It was. And, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it reminds me of a lot of hunts that I've had in the past where there's a turkey that's just fired up, gobbling his brains out, and you think, oh, this turkey's just, I mean, it's just a matter of, is he going to die in the next minute, or is he going to die yeah. 15 minutes from now? He's going to die, period. Yeah. You start almost feeling bad for him. You're like, oh, he just, he doesn't even know he's dead yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, all of a sudden, there's just nothing. Yep. Nothing. And that's what happened on this hunt i mean it's not like this turkey was literally gobbling his brains out he he was gobbling relatively well but it just stopped and i mean i was from the time that that he gobbled as we approached the top of that hill until the time the last time that he gobbled he was closer yeah and i knew that he was going to show himself and he was going to get shot yeah well he showed himself and he, he just... didn't get shot yeah, he and, forgot about the second part of the plan. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't clue him in on that part. I should have. <laughs> the vital, but vital key to the plan. It just makes me wonder how many of those hunts have I been on to where that turkey has been gobbling his brains out and just stopped altogether, never showed up. How many of those did he see me or my hunting partner, yeah. who's you know sitting on the tree next to me or sitting on a tree ten yards away from me or whatever? I mean, it just takes, you know, the little twitch of the finger, a little yeah. bit of movement sometimes, and that's all they take to... That is true. I mean, on. we've all been there where it's, you just sit there like, why did he all of a sudden stop gobbling? Yeah. <laughs> and that may be it. Yeah. Where'd he go? He was, couldn't breathe without letting out a gobble. And then as soon as I got sat down and situated, I never heard him again. What happened? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if that is it, you know, that last move of the gun, getting everything ready. I mean, you and I experienced that in North Carolina where yeah. 15 seconds, five seconds, and that turkey was dead. Yeah. But he topped the hill literally as you were raising your gun to sit it on your knee, if I remember right. That's exactly right. And that was all it took. And we did use... We heard and saw him pitch off the mountain, but had we had he just turned around and eased back off, we would have been sitting there thinking, where'd he go? Yeah. Why'd he quit gobbling? 
Yeah. So that's that's a good point too to think of. I mean, that that definitely could be a, a reason why. One of the many. Yeah, and there could be others. You know, Hen shows up, or Bobcat ran up on him, or mm-hmm. horned owl flew in and chopped his head off. I mean, you <laughs> literally don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's I exactly mean, right. I've always, I don't know, I've gotten to where. I think that way a lot more than I used to always think that I did something to screw it up. But when I can logically think through it and think there's no way he saw me, there's a mountain between me and him and they quit gobbling. I I wonder how many of those are from other predators or some other, you know, another hunter, some other disturbance happened that you just don't even know is around. Yeah. So that's, that's always interesting to me, but yeah, well, that's a definitely a hunt. I think people can learn from, I think that's a key point right there. The, the sit down, before you start floating behind your shooter mm-hmm. and test test drive your gobbler before you you start moving. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he gobbled one time after you sat down, right? No. Okay. No. He he did not gobble. He oh he gobbled while you were still walking uh-huh. one time, and that was it. Yeah. Okay. From, I got you now. from the time that I really you know after I got Todd and Pal situated made sure i knew where they were yeah you know because i don't want him circling them and coming up to me being between me and them yeah you know without me knowing darn good and well where they are yeah and so you know i i made sure i had a good beat on where they were and that they were that is where they were going to be you know that there was not going to be oh i sat down at this tree and andy's turned his back and walked down the ridge three steps and can't see me and i'm gonna move 15 yards over here yeah you know i I don't want that happening it's just there's not a turkey around worth that so yeah so from the time i got them sat down and i knew they were situated and i dropped off that hill you know he gobbled and he was closer but i was still walking at that point and i mean i you know i literally i thought I'm, they're going to shoot before I even want to sit down mm-hmm. you know, because my plan was to not just float call the entire hunt. Yeah. It was to give that turkey the impression of, hey, there's a hen just kind of coming through the area and, you know, she's eased off this other direction and, you know, I don't know where she went from there. Yeah. And that was his thought. It's just there was not a hen. Yeah. So, so goofy you looking bald-headed hen you just fooled him a little too quickly i'm too good that's, too, that's the that is problem. the problem yeah you got to scale it back you know yeah that's up a couple calls you know make him think oh it could be a hunter that way he comes in slower yeah yeah that, that needs to be with that's the key for this week's hunt <laughs> <laughs> that's the takeaway from this week guys so screw it up enough to where he's really scared when he comes in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that way he doesn't come in too quickly yeah keep them guessing yeah well that's interesting that was some good audio i enjoyed that discussion on that because i think that's something we can all learn from when we're implementing a buddy system type hunt like that yeah yeah so you know to me it's like so many other things with turkey hunting it's like calling all right you start out quiet and you can work your volume up if you start out loud and the turkey just happens to be 50, 60 yards from you, you know, while you're out running and gunning, you start out loud and you spook him at that point. You might get a shot gobble out of him, but you may have just spooked him and he's going the other direction. Whereas if you start out quiet and nothing responds, you can always work the volume up. Yeah. It's harder to start on volume 10 and work it down to volume one and have success that way. So, yeah. you know, well, it's always better to be conservative in the yeah. early part of whatever it is we're going to do in the turkey woods and, and then work our aggression up uh, or our activity so as much as my voice carries i, I start at level 11 yes you do <laughs> but hey it works for you so <laughs> see yeah. i get the i get those old birds who can hardly hear anymore that most people <laughs> don't even get them to gobble because they never heard them so <laughs> They hear my booming voice and they they're like holy cow i can still hear that lady over there that's the ones i'm killing mm-hmm. so yeah. that's what you know when you purr at a level that's about as loud as somebody on a box call cranking you know that, that's about where you're starting with me so sounds sounds about right <laughs> yeah oh Good man. Deal, man absolutely 
Well, you have anything else from that hunt that you think we could glean info from, or is that about it? I would say that's probably about it for this week from me. Okay. Well, I think it's some good info. Cool hunt to experience. You know, not super long, but fun audio during the off season to hear a turkey gobble. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what's our favor of the week this week? So the favor of the week this week is to go to our Facebook page, I Am Turkey Hunting. That's facebook.com slash I Am Turkey Hunting. And share the post for this week's show. I know a lot of times you don't see these posts on your timeline for the shows because Facebook may deem that Thursday's not your day to see that post. Or maybe you're just not on Facebook on Thursday to see the post. Mm -hmm. So if you guys will go to Facebook and pull up the I Am Turkey Hunting Facebook page and share this week's post on your timeline, that'll be a huge help for Cameron and me. It'll help get the word out about the show. And I've got a secondary favor to ask. Yeah. And it may... No, there's no, it's not even that it may be more important. It is more important than the favor number one. So I forwarded an email to Cameron from the NWTF that they sent me and all the other members of the NWTF. And in the email, they talked about how COVID has affected their fundraising ability and it has affected their operating ability. And they are short cash to operate and to keep their employees paid and to keep their mission going and i know we can all get behind their mission whether you guys are members or not if you're not a member now is a great time to join yeah if you already are a member they have been sending out emails with raffles and different auctions and that kind of stuff that they have going on and it's all being held online, participate in some of that stuff. Buy a raffle ticket. Bid on something at their auction. Yeah. Help them raise some money. Make a donation. Even you guys who are not members, if you want to join, great, wonderful, join. If you just want to make a donation, I'm pretty sure they'll take a donation from you without you joining. I I really don't know why you would make a donation without joining. But maybe you don't want to. I'm not going to knock you for that. But for those of you who can do it right now, I know still a lot of us out here are still struggling just to get by on our own, to take care of our own families with cutbacks at work and all this due to COVID. Mm -hmm. But if you have the means to, if you have the ability to help out the NWTF, they need it now, really need it. So that's favor number two and and should be favor number one, but we're not going to go back and change it now. Well, both good favors, definitely important. Yeah. So, oh, and by the way, they did a, what they call a sportsman's box where for a hundred bucks, you can buy this box and it has some amount of gear in it. Whatever's in the box is a complete surprise to you when it comes in the in the mail or UPS or however it's delivered. I bought one of those and it came in this week and Cameron and I are going to be doing giveaways with all this stuff. He doesn't know that yet because I'm just now telling him, but we'll figure out what we're going to do to do giveaways. But you guys who listen to this show year round because you are just absolutely eat up with turkeys like Cameron and I, you've got a really good chance of winning whatever it is that we're going to give away this stuff that I got in this box, sportsman's box. And, you know, we'll make the summer a little bit more fun. How about that? Summer of fun. I like it. On the Mm -hmm. Turkey Hunter podcast. Yeah. Better than the summer of love in CHOP. Yeah. Formerly Chaz. Yeah. (laughs) Which I, I like Chaz better. Yeah, Chaz sounds better. I mean, when they went to CHOP, that's when they started having lots of shootings and stuff at yeah. Summer Love. And, it, you know, I think they should go back to Chaz. Chaz is very much about love. Yeah. CHOP got a little, <laughs> it was a little less loving. All right, guys, we're not going to get on the political thing, but that is all that we've got for you guys this week. So thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week and a happy 4th of July. God bless America. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.